Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. Life was uh, in 2000, prior to 2010 was fantastic, man. I had the, I had the dream business going. I had built it up to the point where it was very successful. Uh, had my dream home, had a big, big horse farm, you know, hundred acres of just like Disneyland. It was amazing. Had a, had a, a great life. Um, great marriage. Awesome little boy who was uh, six years old and you know, I, I couldn't have asked for anything else. And, and then uh, in the blink of an eye, my little boy died. Hello there, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We have a show that uh, there's really no way uh, to put it. It's pretty serious, and it is one of the sadder episodes that we've had on here. But it's also incredibly inspiring because of the way that our guest today, Steve Baum, handled this situation. Many of you that listen regularly know that I do some mental health stuff outside of this. I do speaking, and it's more of a motivational type of speech. So I am someone who has always appreciated individuals who have gone through very serious things in life and have been able to turn it around somehow. One of my favorite quotes is actually, the last stage of healing is using what happened to us to help others. There are certain things that happen though in life where it's kind of hard to comprehend how we work through that. And I'm not suggesting that we work through certain things to the point of completion where we don't deal with pain anymore. I'm not suggesting that at all. But to be able to work through certain things like the loss of a son in this case, a child, and actually turning that around and going out and serving others with it, that takes a level of personal development and work on oneself that you cannot fake. It is real. It's authentic. You can't buy a book and just get something from that that transitions that automatically. That is doing the deep work. That is perseverance. And Steve just exemplifies that. He is such a great guy to talk to. This was probably the only podcast ever on the Health Detective podcast where I've, uh, you know, kind of teared up a little bit. And it's, it's just because the story is so serious, man. It's raw. I don't want to go into too much of that. I just wanted to preface it. This is something that most of the time we're just talking about health. But when we get into it, we, we do get into it. That's for sure. So just something to consider before listening. I want to give a brief background on Steve, though. It's actually technically not brief compared to the other ones. It's a little longer, but I wanted to make sure we give his full bio for this one because it does require context. So Steve Baum has been helping people get into the best shape of their lives for almost 40 years now. When he was a kid, he idolized a guy that he thought was ripped and muscular, and he wanted to look like him. Then on a family float trip, he took off his shirt, and the boy said, this is Steve's submission of the bio, not mine. Oh my God. You have tits. Add that to the list of things I never thought I would say on this podcast. Steve could think of nothing else but transforming himself and getting lean and muscular from that moment on. 
So he talked to his parents into buying, or talked his parents into buying a weight set, and he devoured the muscle magazines, following every program he could find. Fortunately, his parents didn't want to uh, want him to hurt himself, and they hired a professional to work with him. This professional taught Steve how to lift weights and eat right to reach his goals. Learning from this professional had an immediate impact on Steve, and it set the stage for the rest of his life. After that, fitness and nutrition became his passion, and this started all around 14 years old. At 16, Steve started coaching and training his own clients. He got certified as a personal trainer by the American College of Sports Medicine. Then he went on to earn certifications from, and it's a pretty extensive and impressive bio, the National Strength and Conditioning Association, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, Poliquin Strength Systems, CrossFit, the Aerobics and Fitness Association of America, Precision Nutrition, Metabolic Typing, Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, Performance Enhancement Therapy, and the Czech Institute. In 1997, Steve moved to Scottsdale, Arizona to open his dream training facility, including an incredible gym and a state-of-the-art physical therapy clinic. When he was in Arizona, he got married and had a beautiful baby boy named Steve Austin Nicholas Baum. Being a dad was a whole new ballgame, and Austin followed him everywhere and was always around the gym, even in diapers. He taught Steve what unconditional love was all about. In 2004, Steve and his family moved to St. Louis, and he opened a new gym. Things were good, and life was, as he describes, pretty much perfect for about six years. Then in 2010, that's when things got pretty serious and tragedy struck, and Steve learned the definition of the word persevere. He faced the most significant battle that any parent or, I mean, geez, most people would ever have to deal with, and that was that he lost his uh, child. The death of his little boy happened. The stress from this had a devastating impact on Steve. He became so exhausted that he could barely get out of bed. Steve also gained over 70 pounds in less than six months, and regardless of how healthy he ate, or how hard he exercised, nothing he had learned up to that point was helping him. He went from doctor to doctor searching for answers, only to hear everything looked fine and that maybe he was depressed. Which, I think, out of all the times I've heard that thrown on someone as a label, I think it would be fair in this one, right? But Steve knew deep down there was something other than depression that was causing these issues, but he couldn't figure out what it was. And that's when a colleague introduced Steve to Reed Davis, and Reed Davis is the founder of FDN and FDN Thrive, if you guys don't know. And Reed ran some functional labs on Steve, so this was actually his client, and he finally identified some weak links in his metabolism that were causing his health issues. Correcting these helped Steve get back into the best shape of his life. After that, he knew he could use FDN to help other exhausted business owners and entrepreneurs regain their health, so he became a certified FDN practitioner. In 2020, Steve decided to sell his gym to focus 100% on functional health coaching. Now, he's using all of the tools he's gathered, including FDN, to help other entrepreneurs and professionals identify and correct their health issues. Steve is also happy to report that he's happily remarried and has an awesome wife who's a great mom to five kids, and, a, and she's also a soon-to-be certified ADAPT health coach. Together, they're helping burned-out professionals increase their energy, lose stubborn fat, and get in phenomenal shape so they can create more success and live life instead of feeling like zombies. This guy is something else, man. Like I said, you can't fake this level of work that one has to do on themselves, the spiritual work, the emotional work, the mental work, to come out on the other side of this. And I absolutely loved this episode. Steve, if you end up re-listening, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad we even crossed paths. And um, I'm just happy to have you as a part of FDN as well, man. So without further ado, 
let's get to the episode. All right. Hey there, Steve. Thanks so much for being here with us today, man. Sure, Evan. I'm looking forward to it. I thought it was so cool when we were uh, talking the other day. Steve and I just got connected, and he is an FDN, as I mentioned in the bio, but Steve is also one of the OGs of this place, man. I mean, he's been, I think you said, what, 2009 is when you graduated Functional Diagnostic yeah, Nutrition. Right. Was it yeah. even online yet, or was that a weekend course? No, that was, I think it was the first online program that Reed did. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I've met some people that have gone pretty far back in this, Sean Croxton, namely. But uh, man, yeah, to hear 2009, that's just cool to know people were doing this at this time. And I mean, even though I didn't experience it in that moment, just to know how far it's come. So that's amazing. But we'll roll into this just the same way that we do with pretty much everyone on this podcast. And that's just kind of diving into your health story. I mean, what motivated you to take this path in life? Did you have your own health issues or specific things that bothered you? Because what I found, especially after all these interviews, is that really no one gets into this work by accident. It's pretty intentional. Yeah, you know, so as a kid growing up, I was always a chubby kid and didn't know I was a chubby kid until a friend of mine, it was an older kid that I absolutely idolized, uh, told me that I was fat when we went on a flow trip. I took my shirt off and his reaction was, oh my God, you have tits. And it, and it at that age, you know, I think I was 12-ish, it just freaked me out. And so from that moment on, my mission was to figure out how to get myself to look like he looked, which was really lean and ripped. And so that's kind of what started me on the nutrition and workout journey at that age. And, I, and I, of course, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was just kind of like hodgepodge stuff together and follow the magazine articles and all that kind of stuff. So that's really what got me started was trying to get myself to look like the, uh, the guys in the magazines. And you know what? It's so tough because I'm someone who uh, I work a lot in schools and the audience knows that. And one of the things I'd love to move away from is the whole bullying thing. I mean, that's great. That's not the main thing I talk about. But I also can't deny that. And I don't know how to quantify this or allow a certain perfect dose of this into our lives. But it's kind of hard to say, knowing that where you're at now and the things that you've accomplished, that maybe a comment like that wasn't actually something that was overall long-term very beneficial to your health. And I, I'll, I'll have you respond to that in a second because I don't want to speak for you. But I know for me, dealing with like severe cystic acne, it was comments that were made to me that actually were very motivating to do something about this and actually change my life for the better. I'm not saying it didn't hurt in the moment and cause stress in the moment, but I don't know that I would change those things. So again, I don't want to speak for you, but where do you kind of stand with that? Do you look back and think, wow, that was actually I'm really fortunate he made that comment because I wasn't thinking about it or, hey, there would have been a 10 times nicer way to do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if he hadn't said that, I'm not sure what I would be doing now if if anything would have changed. But, you know, to talk about the the bullying part of it, he didn't say it in a bullying way. It wasn't like he, he constantly picked on me or anything like that. It was actually his initial reaction to seeing me take off my shirt. That's what wow. came out of his mouth. And so for me, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he did say it because it did motivate me. And it still to this day motivates me to stay active, to keep trying to make myself better. And then in turn, use the information that I've learned to help other people make themselves better. So, you know, it, 
I don't think that bullying helps anybody, but in his case, it, it wasn't said in a way that was meant to bully me. Okay, got it. Now I understand that. Actually, if anything, that kind of comment could be even more motivating when it's so genuine um, that you're just like, wow, like, what the heck, man? And <laughs> you know that it really wasn't met with malintent. So, yeah, I, I definitely understand that as well. Okay, so you're motivated to do this now. And then I know, as we read in your bio, I mean, you're someone who kind of got into this like right away, but just to break it down and hear it from you yourself, what were some of the next steps? Was it like the personal trainer, the, were you studying stuff online? I mean, you were a relatively young guy when this happened. So what came yeah. immediately after that? Yeah. So at, at 12, I, you know, after that happened, I, I told my parents, you know, I want to, I want you to buy me a weight set. So they bought me a, I think it was a Sears weight set that had the plastic weights filled with concrete and <laughs> and they gave me that and a bench so I went down in the basement and I remember working out with this weight set and I I had pictures of bodybuilders all over my walls from the magazines and I would just follow their routines of course I had no idea what I was doing I didn't know how to eat I remember doing you know a bunch of sit-ups and then I'd go upstairs and eat bologna and, and cheese sandwiches so um, you know, that wasn't working out too well for me. And fortunately for me, my parents hired a personal trainer to teach me how to do it the right way and how to eat. And that had a tremendous impact on my life uh, in terms of not just the workout stuff, but also teaching me that, you know, hard work pays off and just to be consistent with what I was doing, because it wasn't an overnight thing. It didn't just, you know, I didn't go from being a chubby kid to being fit overnight. It took, it took determination and, uh, and just sticking with a plan. Well, and that was the part of your bio I found most interesting that by 16, you're taking clients now. I mean, yes, four years is a fair amount of time to make a transformation, but guys, we're talking about 12 to 16. I don't need to be reminded of what I was doing at 12 to 16. You know, I don't think I was going in a positive direction per se, um, at least in my own life. So that's pretty damn cool that you were able to get locked in like that and then say, hey, I'm actually going to go do this and help other people with it. I'm going to start taking clients. So did you do that just at a home gym or were you already doing that locally at a gym? Well, so the guy that I learned from, he had his own gym and he had such a positive impact on me that we became friends. And I know it sounds kind of weird. I'm 12, 13, 14 years old. And he was, he was probably more like a, a, an older brother figure to me. And so we became friends and I just devoured all of the information he gave me. So it wasn't just, we would meet in the gym and that was the end of it. He would give me stuff to go read. He would tell me, you know, different things about nutrition to study. And so I really soaked it up and, and knew that that's what I wanted to do. So he hired me to work for him in his, in his clinic. And uh, he started giving me clients when I was 16 and, you know, they were pretty well, pretty much beginner clients. They weren't anything complicated, you know, and he would write the programs and I would go train them. Well, and fair enough, right? I think that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, this is still such a cool opportunity to be able to do that at all at that age. But then this is where it gets really interesting to me because there are, so, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not condemning it, but I am someone who believes in lifelong learning. I think that's a very common theme in our world of FDN and even functional healthcare in general. But I find it interesting that I mean, your list of credentials and certifications and all these things that you've done is rather extensive. So I'm sure if you're already taking clients at 16, I mean, you're at a pretty solid place. Like what motivated you to keep learning and consuming this information and going even deeper with it? 
I'd say the main thing was that I was always searching for answers to help me take it to a higher level. So, and I, and I thought, gosh, there must be something that I'm missing in regards to creating more strength or creating more muscle mass or, you know, recovering better or whatever it might be. And I just, I love to learn and I love to find things that nobody else knows or nobody else is doing. It's not mainstream. So what I tended to do was I started off with, you know, the basic personal trainer certifications and went through some of those and they didn't really give me the information that I was looking for. Yeah, it was great. It was a piece of paper that said, Hey, I'm certified, but it didn't really teach me how to help myself or to help other people overcome some of the obstacles that we were running into. And so I don't know. I just had this really, really strong drive to go out and find the people that were getting the best results in whatever area it was they specialized in, you know, whether it was injuries or, you know, getting people lean or getting people stronger. And I would go to them and I'd say, hey, well, you teach me what you know. And so it was kind of more like an internship type program where I would go find these people and get into their programs and uh, take what I liked and take what worked and and use that in my program and then get rid of the rest because what i found is everybody has really good information and and not all of it not all of their information might be uh, applicable to everybody so i would just kind of take take what i liked and piece it together and i put it into my own my own program if you will and uh and i've always done that i just keep trying to find answers that might be obscure that that most people aren't looking for I like that philosophy a lot. I feel like that's really similar to what I do because even when I read a book, if I it, there might be 300 pages in it, but if I can just get two or three really good ideas and apply that to a grander picture that I'm creating that's now my own philosophy, I, I always find that very effective. And that's kind of how I've unintentionally approached it over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years since really intentionally learning anything because prior to that, it was just forced learning in school. <laughs> um, this period <laughs> of my life has actually been, hey, I, I want to voluntarily do this. Now, I know that we could probably spend hours talking about each individual qualification and certification that you have, but of course, you know I got to uh, hone in on functional diagnostic nutrition specifically. So one, how did you find that? And when you were going through, I guess it's 2009, so I don't even know, were there lab tests included in the program at the time? Like, were you running labs on yourself? Yeah. So back then, if I remember right, it was BioHealth was the company that, uh, that we were using to run labs with. And they were very similar to the labs now. You know, we were doing the hormone testing with saliva and the urine testing. Um, and then and then the uh, you know the GI testing and all of that. So yeah, we were doing labs back then. Um I I got turned on to the FDN. So I was in the Czech program with Paul Czech and I was going through different levels of that. And if I remember correctly, they were doing metabolic typing in one of the one of the programs I was in. So I, I became a metabolic typing advisor way back before I had even known about function or uh, about FDN. And so that kind of led me into the FDN program. And uh, yeah, it was a life changer for me because up to that point, everything was kind of hit and miss, you know, it was like, oh, we'll follow this diet or try this nutrition program or, you know, do this, do that. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And what I found with my 
with my clients was some of them would get really good results on a program and other ones wouldn't, you know? And so I knew there had to be more to it than just throwing darts at the dartboard and hoping they stick. So that's where the functional diagnostic nutrition came in. And we could actually see the results of the lab tests and know exactly what was going on and then turn the knobs one way or the other in different areas to get results. And so that, that was an eye opener for me that really kind of set the stage for where I wanted to go with not just my business, but also with my personal health. I'd be pretty impressed if you were remembering like specific numbers. So I'm not asking that, but I am curious when you were doing the labs on yourself, were there any major things that you remember to this day as being like cool turning points? Because for those that don't know, or maybe even our first time listeners, one of the things with FDN is we attract a lot of people who are actually quite ill, such as myself when I first got into it. However, you also attract people who are doing pretty well. They're very health conscious. And when I say doing well, it means like doing well on the surface because I'm going to take a wild guess that when you were getting into FDN, you might have looked like someone who was fit or decently in shape or whatever at this point, considering your background. And then maybe you found something on the labs. You're like, wow, I've never even considered that. So was like that the case? Did anything come up that really stood out? Yeah. So, you know, getting into the gym at 12 years old and being around all of the bodybuilders and, and the athletes in the gyms, the gyms that I worked out at tended to be, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the big meathead guys that were huge. And then a lot of the uh, professional football players and all that. So I was around a lot of those guys at an early age and I would see them in the gym just doing unbelievable things with their bodies in terms of strength. And one of the things I got turned into early on was, uh, you know, pre-workout supplements or they were really stimulants. And so I used a lot of energy supplements and drinks. Um, I mean, a tremendous amount of them. We all did back then. And didn't realize the impact it was having on my health until I did run those labs. And when I ran the labs and saw the results of, of uh, you know, what my adrenals were doing and the cortisol rhythm and all of that stuff, a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm really destroying myself by using all of this stuff, thinking that it's going to help me get stronger and better in the long run. It's really not. It's really wrecking me. And it's actually going to cause me to lose muscle and and lose the ability to recover and get to where I want to go. So that was an eye opener for me. My first test back then we were talking in in stages of adrenal fatigue. Uh, you know, we don't do that anymore, but back then that was the thing was what stage of adrenal fatigue are you in? And I was like late stage 3. Um and the next stage was I was going to die, right? If if I didn't stop doing what I was doing. So that was an eye opener for me in terms of what I was doing to myself in the name of health. Gotcha. And I mean, you, I'm just trying to put your story together because you've done a lot in your life. I'm guessing what were you only in your twenties at this point? Um, let's see. Jeez. You're certainly younger than 35 is my point. Correct. Yeah. I was, well, you mean when I was using all of that stuff? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I started, I started taking the, the energy pills and drinks, right? You know, it's 13 or 14 years okay. old. Damn. Oh man. Yeah. See, I, when I was a, a kid and I got into weightlifting and stuff, you know, I always had the conversations with my parents first. It's like, all right, whey protein. I got to convince them of that. This was classic, like GNC stuff, right? Then it's the creatine and then the pre-workout. And that's kind of where they drew the line. And I'll never forget 
well, I, I can definitely say this because it's factual. The Jack 3D thing, do you remember that pre-workout that got taken off the market because of the uh, <laughs> the one ingredient that it had? I finally convinced my parents to let me do this stuff. I take it, and a month later, this is on the news getting taken off, and they're just like, nope, yeah. done. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. man. You know, it's funny because we were all taking uh, – it was ephedrine, and it was there was a pure form of ephedrine that you could buy at, at a gas station. It was called Mini Thins. And so a lot of people were taking that in the gyms. And then there was another company that came out. I, I don't remember the name. It might have been HydroxyCut or something like that. And and they put that in their supplement for weight loss. And people were losing a ton of weight. But, you know, looking back on that, it 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 was in all of the drinks that were out. You could buy it. It was everywhere. And Nobody really thought much of it. You take it, you'd have energy, you could work out all day long, and and you know that was that. But it it truly wrecked my health, and it it makes me think about the kids today that are out there drinking Red Bull and Monster drinks, and it's in all of the extreme sports like you know the mountain biking and the the uh, the kids doing all of the stuff on on uh, their their mountain bikes, the tricks and the flips and all that. It's just big in motocross. It's big into that world. And the parents don't even realize what they're allowing their kids to do. It's just kind of part of the whole sport, you know, and they, and the kids, everybody drinks it and it's, uh, it's wrecking people. That's the one thing that I, I'm really against is, is using, I don't mind people using pre-workout drinks, but when it's, when it's got, you know, 10,000 milligrams of caffeine and all this other crap in there, that's not a good thing. So that was an eye opener for me for sure. Right. And it's such a, now this is coming from a person who certainly has not taken this to the level um, that someone like you has. So maybe there is a give and take with this or a trade off at certain points. But what I always find just so unbelievably toxic as someone who knows about the chronic health conditions of today's world is when I'm seeing these people on Instagram or whatever, they're influencers, right? Well, quote unquote influencers. And they're talking about how exhausted they feel or how burnt out they feel. And they're using this supplement to go get through the workout. I'm like, all right, I'm no doctor, but I'm going to imagine that that probably meant you shouldn't have been doing a two-hour workout that day, right? Yeah. Like that, That's the thing. Like We're suppressing the body's warning signs. And as if, I mean, my God, as if we weren't uh, not in tune enough already. Now we're just, oh, we are tired. We know this. Okay, no problem. So I'll just take something that prevents me from feeling that tiredness and then go push even harder. I mean, I think it's really obvious, honestly, why so many of these people, FDN, especially in the earlier days, just has an abundance, I've realized, of people very similar to you that were in this either bodybuilding or strength training or weightlifting type of um, category, I guess. And then, yeah, it's not going so well. They look fantastic. A lot of them look great, but the body inside is not going so well. And it's like, well, guys, we probably shouldn't have been doing that ever, let alone in today's world where, you know, we're really not doing great and we need to get back to nature as much as possible. So shutting off the ability to feel tired, overloading the sympathetic nervous system. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really think that that's a wise idea. And so, I mean, I got to ask, like, I know it's not really normal on the Health Detective podcast to be talking about this specific thing, but I'm, I'm curious. I mean, what do you say to these people that are on Instagram as the influencers and they're like, oh my God, I was so exhausted today. I'm like, you know, got three hours of sleep and, but I still pushed it in the gym and I took my pre-workout. Like, I, I would assume you got to believe that's kind of silly. Yeah, it is silly. But the thing you have to remember is in our society, 
we're taught more is better. Don't be weak. Push, 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 push. Do whatever you have to do. Be a warrior. Never give up. You know, all of all of this stuff bombards us from every direction, right? And and nobody wants to be a quitter. And nobody wants to look weak. So what ends up happening is is it, it, I don't I don't even think they realize that they're destroying themselves. I think it's just part of the industry is to do whatever you have to do to continue moving forward. And it's no different than the kids in college that are that are taking Adderall so they can study all night long and cram for tests. They don't think about what it's doing to their health. It's just, I have to get through this. I have to be the best I can be. And if I quit for whatever reason, then society thinks I'm weak. And to me, that's the bigger issue is how do we educate people to work harder and smarter, but not destroy themselves? You know, like you could get a lot more done if you work really hard for 50 minutes and take a break and then go back to it and then take a break and maybe work four hours a day. You're going to get more done in, in a four hour window working like that than you will if you cram yourself full of all these stimulants and work 10 hours straight with never taking a break. It's actually remarkable how true that is because, first of all, I, I think that's very well said. I'm someone who fell into that category, especially after high school, and a lot of that was for validation because I had really messed up a lot of things in my life, and I knew I felt like I had no image. I had no self-respect anymore. I had no confidence. So one of the ways that I was immediately able to raise that confidence is I'm now a hardworking person. And what's interesting is you don't need any great results in your life to automatically identify as a hardworking person. You can change that tomorrow. But it's like, I like to work hard now still, but some people are always surprised about how I'm able to do this. And it's only because I found myself after about three to four years of doing that, completely burning out, just totally dipping. And then I realized, okay, so how do I do this in an intelligent way that honors my body? And so first, I always prioritize the things like like sleep I don't mess with, food I'm not going to mess with. Those are my non-negotiables, right? Those have to be in check. That's how I am. Um, I feel like a lot of us, and you relate to this too, we get, we become very intuitive and in tune with our bodies. And so I know when I need a little extra rest, I can tell you days before I'm about to catch a cold or something. And I feel like I can often uh, prevent those things from happening if I'm able to listen to my body at that time. And when I say able, I just mean maybe I didn't already pack my schedule too much in. And so, yeah, we need to identify, are we working hard because we actually love what we're doing and we have a specific goal we're trying to hit? Or are we working hard for the million other reasons that we could? Validation, uh, because society is telling us to, like you said. And then at the end of the day, I mean, working hard, quote unquote, has a, I, I don't think that means pushing past our limits. Working hard to me is when you have 100% energy, you feel amazing, and you're choosing to go binge TV for three hours instead of working on the project you know you should be. You have a choice. There is a choice there that's not going to kill you to go do it. That's what hard work really is to me, being able to do those things consistently. And honestly, you don't even have to go that crazy with it. I love that you said the four-hour thing. So many people do not take one, two, three, or even four focused hours on a few tasks. It's amazing how much you can get done if you go do that. Yeah, I, I can't remember the the person who did this study, but I remember reading about it. They They actually did a study where they had people... Um, 
work really, really hard and not take breaks. You know, that's almost like a badge of honor when people say, I only sleep four hours a night because I'm just working all the time. And, and so anyway, they had these people work, 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 no breaks. And then they had people smoke pot and get high and take a test. And so the test, they wanted to compare the results between the people that got high and smoked pot and the people that were working, 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 multitaskers, right? They never took a break. They were doing all these different things. And then study, you're going to take this test. And which group do you think performed better on the test? Oh, sorry. Sorry. I was muted. I didn't know if that was a rhetorical type of thing. Um, <laughs> well, I feel like the answer is probably going to be the less obvious one, like the pot one at this point. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they actually scored higher. So the, the point of the whole study was that, you know, people that are multitasking that think they're getting all of this stuff done, they're really not. They're really getting less done than they think. But since they're working so hard, they think they got a whole bunch of, of, of things done. So and that's not just business people. It's not just in the gym. It's it's everybody. So think about the busy mom who's trying to juggle the kids, breakfast, school, her job, her whatever her work. And so moms are really good multitaskers, right? They, they're in all these different things at once, but they end up being burned out. And what I always tell them is, you know, slow down a little bit. Let's focus on your sleep, getting more of it. And let's not work so much all at one time. Let's focus on, you know, these little chunks. I, I try to teach people to work in blocks of 50 minutes, 45 to 50 minutes max, and then do something totally different. Maybe listen to some music or, you know, whatever, go do some breathing exercises, meditation, and then come back to it. And you'll get more work done in less time than if you're multitasking. And it's really hard to convince people of that because their number one reason for doing it is they don't have enough time. And I just find it very interesting that that seems to be what the driver is for most folks is, is they don't have enough time and they've got all this stuff to do and they've just got to push through, push through, push through. But what ends up happening in the long, in the long term is their health will stop them if they don't stop it first. Meaning at some point they're going to they're gonna literally hit the wall and they're going to be forced to take a break. And that break is sometimes a lot longer, you know, could be weeks or months or years before they can get their body back to a place where they can even start working hard again, if that makes sense. It, it absolutely does, Steve. I mean, I watched that with my mom. I didn't know what I was watching necessarily as a kid, but, you know, she worked her butt off, man, and she grew up in a rough environment. She's been on the podcast herself, actually. We had her come on and share a story one time, but this was a you know woman at one point who was working night shift in high school with her mom just to help afford the bills. And we know how bad night shift is for anyone, let alone a developing body. And so she learned to just outwork any problem in her life. And she started out as a waitress. She'd do that, you know, six, seven days a week. Then she was doing waitressing while also opening this restaurant. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I respected the hell out of the grind and the entrepreneurial aspect of this, but there, there's a limit on this stuff. You can't do this for very long at all. And what they were doing, my dad and her um, and my aunt, like I'd watch these people go to work. They have kids to take care of. And then they'd go there until like two or three in the morning. And then they'd wake up at 6 a.m. and do the same thing until this restaurant was open. This lasted for a while. Yeah. And even and then when the restaurant started, of course, that's a new business. That's very tough. 
Um, yeah, I watched her get Graves' disease and eventually have her thyroid removed, unfortunately, before I knew about this stuff. So uh, not only does it make sense, um, I know it all too well. I literally watched it and we just didn't even understand what was happening because no one ever contributed her health issues amazingly to the fact that this woman was sleeping three, four hours a day and working like a mad person while also taking care of kids. I mean, do you think maybe that could cause some issues? I, I don't feel like that's rocket science to figure out. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately I see a lot of folks that that are in that same boat I did it to myself and my wife has done it to herself I mean it's just it's almost like a just part of our society is work 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 and sleep doesn't really matter if you get it you get it if you don't you don't and that's sad that's that's a big big deal I, I try to teach my my clients that if you're gonna work hard you've got to recover harder Right. At this point, I want to um, I want to make sure we're we're transitioning properly. And I wasn't even sure if we were going to talk about this today, but I saw that you included it in your bio. So, uh, to the degree that you want to and you find it useful, um, we will talk about it. And I know that there was such an impact that this had on your health that I think it's actually going to be really powerful for the audience to hear that. Okay, you had these health challenges as a kid. We're able to overcome those overcame the stuff with, uh, you know, these stimulants and all those things. And then once again, uh, had a pretty serious thing occur. So um, again, to the degree that you're able and willing and, and wanting, what was the thing that happened around that 2010 time? Um, that thing that we included in your bio where things just yeah. kind of took a turn? Because I know life was actually going pretty solidly before this yeah. major yeah, Life was uh, in 2000. Prior to 2010, was fantastic, man. I had the I had the dream business going. I had built it up to the point where it was very successful. Uh, had my dream home. Had a big big horse farm. You know, 100 acres of just like Disneyland. It was amazing. Had a had a, a great life. Um, great marriage. Awesome little boy who was uh, six years old and. You know, I, I couldn't have asked for anything else. And and then uh, in the blink of an eye, my little boy died. Like literally just one day, you know, we're, we're having fun. And uh, I can remember the night before this happened, he had his friends over and they were all playing in the in the house and dressing up in costumes and, and stuff like that, just being silly little kids. And that was the last time I saw him. I went to bed and the next day I went to, I got up and went to work really early every day. And he, uh, went to a little, little buddy's house for his friend's birthday. And, uh, he and his best friend and his best friend's mother all fell through ice and drowned. And that was a day that, I mean, I, I can't even describe what that was like. I, you know, we, we went to their home, because we we didn't know what happened to them. Nobody knew where they were or what happened. They were supposed to be at a movie theater, and so we couldn't get a hold of of the of the mother. Went to her house, and they also had a horse farm, and so we were you know banging on the door and, and trying to figure out because her car was in the garage. We were trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Called the police. The police come out, and uh, you know six or seven hours later, they they found them in the in the lake right near the the horse barn and you know that that was that was a a 
thing that happened that in an instant, my life went from, you know, being fantastic to, oh my God, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to get through this? And, you know, it was, it was by the grace of God that, that he basically said, you know, I, I believe in God. I pray every single day. And God said in that moment, the devil just turned over the wrong rock and you're going to be okay. And I'm going to help you get through this. And you're going to lead, you know, thousands of people to me because of what he took from you. And it's hard to describe in that moment, that feeling, because I, I actually had to walk to the ambulance and get in the ambulance and identify my, my little boy. And being in that ambulance was being in hell. I mean, I, that's the only way I can describe it. It was, it was in hell. And I just remember holding him and, and just, you know, saying, Austin, you've got to wake up, man. You've got to wake up. And he wouldn't. And I just held him and held him and held him. And finally they said, you've got to go. You've got to get out of the ambulance. And I remember stepping out of that ambulance and just thinking, holy shit, what am I going to do? And so it was through a lot of prayer that God just said, look, I want you to tell your story and I want you to help other people who are going through just unbelievable tragedies persevere. And so I, I went back home and I, I remember just thinking to myself, I, I can't go back and face all of my clients. Cause I was also, I had a personal training studio and I was doing all of this holistic healthcare stuff. And, and I, I just remember going, I can't go back there. I can't go back there and face everybody and, uh, and just keep going, you know, like putting on a show. And so I, I, took about a week off and God said, get back in there, get back in the game because you're not going to be sidelined. If you're on the sidelines, you can't help. And so I remember going in, I drove into the gym and I got to the back door of my gym and I sat outside that door and I cried for 15 minutes. I'm like, I cannot go in there. I can't do it. And God said, get inside there and, and put on a show. You're going to do this. And so I did. And every single day I would go in, I'd pray about it and I would go in and deliver this, this show to people. And and I would, you know, and they were like, oh, my God, how are you getting through this? How are you able to to turn this on? And I said, look, this isn't me. This is God working through me. So anyway, long story short, um, I knew that uh, I couldn't be the guy anymore. I had to figure out a way to kind of just back out and grieve and recover. And, and, and so I went into a franchise. I bought into a franchise and plugged a bunch of people in and ran the gym and and built that thing up. And I kind of put the holistic healthcare stuff on the side for a little while until I finally was so exhausted. And so, I mean, literally I, I couldn't function. I, I was just burned out to the end of my rope. And, uh, and that's when I got back into the FDN and, and it really helped turn me around and, and show me how it had impacted my hormones and impact. Basically every marker you could measure was in the dumper. And so I used that to turn my health around. And I knew at that point that it wasn't as easy as just putting people on a nutrition program and saying, here, exercise and eat right. Like, let's really dig into what's going on under the surface and help dial all of those things in so that people could truly become healthy again. So I think in, in a way it was for me, it was an eye opener. It was really a, a game changer in terms of, you know, what's health, what's really health healthy and what's not 
and what are the things that we can do to help people improve their health versus what are the things that we think are going to improve their health that don't really change much, does, doesn't really move the needle a whole lot. Um, so yeah, I mean, I went through that, lost my marriage, lost my farm, um, you know, lost a lot of stuff, but in the, in the long run, I look back on it and it, and it really gave me a new life and it allowed me to see things in a different way. You know, the, the, the business side of it, uh, don't get me wrong. I love running successful businesses, but that's not my driver anymore. It's not the success. Isn't the driver. Um, the driver is really helping other people unlock the the keys to the dungeon that they're in where they because everybody everybody has their own hell you know people talk to me they're like oh my god that's terrible i said yeah but my my issue my deal is no more terrible than the other person who's also living in hell but their hell's different maybe it's depression that's still their hell it's 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 just as big of a hell as mine was right it's just a different a different uh label um some people are are bullied and they're living in hell. So, you know, everybody has their own story and their own hell they're living in. And my goal is to show them how to get out of that place. And if it's through health, great, let's figure that out. Um, but the, but the story is, is in, in my case, what I try to teach people, it's don't give up, don't give up, never give up. There's always a way out. And I have the keys to help you get out of that place. If you want to, you got to want to get out. So I wouldn't change it um, because it's made me who I am today. And it's allowed me to help a lot of people that were probably stuck in a pretty dark place. Wow. Uh, Steve, I'm so glad we got connected, man. I said this on the phone the other day. Uh, first, I can't even pretend to be able to comprehend what that situation is like. I know that you said you couldn't describe it. It wouldn't even matter, right? I, there's no way any of us can comprehend that, I don't think. But what was so interesting about us uh, uh, talking on the phone for the first time was the conceptual similarities in these major stressors of our lives and how, for some odd reason, that led to this feeling that we were being pulled in a different direction. Um, and that's a heck of a thing to say, you know, I wouldn't change this. Now, you and I define that differently on the phone, right? Just so everyone's clear. That's not to say that we've wish for something like that to happen, but not changing it is because someone like you has been able to see so clearly now, oh, wait a second, this is, I can do something with this. I can help thousands, tens of thousands of people um, with this situation that happened. And I love that you said to, that you kind of already answered my next question, because I was going to ask like, what the heck is the message to people going through that hell right now? Um, and I know that you said, don't give up, but is there anything because I say stuff similar too, just to be clear. I just didn't know if you had something. Is there anything more tangible for people that are within that hell right now? Because I, I agree with what you said that everyone's hell can kind of feel actually very similar. We don't know exactly what they're like, but I mean, the severity of the hell can be the same, even if the situation was completely different. But nonetheless, I do think it is worth acknowledging that it'd be pretty hard for most people to listen to this podcast. I, I would imagine, I would hope and not be able to think, wow, okay, that's probably objectively worse than some of the things that I went through. So if you can do this, that's so inspiring and empowering for others um, to be able to do it. So is there anything tangible um, for people, even just outside of the not giving up thing? I think that's a powerful message, but I'm just curious if anything else yeah. comes to your mind. Yeah. You know, so I can remember when I, 
I was at the bottom of the pit and I, I literally, you know, I, I would get in the shower in the morning and I would lay, I, I actually laid down in my shower, curled up in a fetal position, just crying. Like, I can't, I can't get up today. I can't do it. I can't do it. And that was probably the lowest point where I literally thought I'm, I'm going to die. Like I can't, I cannot get up. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to shoot myself. And I just remember in that moment going, all right, what, what can I be thankful for right now? In this moment, what am I thankful for? And I just started thanking God. I was like, thank God I have hot water because a lot of people don't. And that was it. It was just, thank God I have hot water right now in the shower. And, and that was enough to just kind of get me out of that, that really dark, dark place for just a second. Right. And I, and I realized that, okay, the more things that I could find to be thankful for versus focusing on what happened, the, the farther and farther and farther I, I was able to dig myself up out of that pit. So I, it was, I'm thankful for hot water. Hey, I'm thankful that I, I woke up today, like just simple, basic things. And I, and they started to build and they got bigger and they got bigger. So gratitude and being thankful for what I did have, um, got me out of the pit. And that's what I would tell other people, no matter how bad it looks, just find some one, I don't care what it is, one little thing that you could, that you could be grateful for and thankful for because everybody has something, right? If you're taking a breath, be thankful you can take that breath. And then that's going to, that's going to turn into, you know, what else can you be thankful for? And then eventually you're going to realize that you've got a lot of things to be thankful for and probably more than other people that are in a, in a, in a dark place. And Teach them to be thankful and grateful for what they have and just keep focusing on that and it'll turn things around. Well, listen, man, I hope you get around to that book one day because I'm someone who's huge into self-help, personal development, those types of things. And it saved my life. It saved my life. And unfortunately, there is a fraction of the population that listens to those types of things or, or hears practices like the one that you just said and think, oh, well, that can't work. That's not that important. How the hell is someone going to listen to a podcast like this and you're about to tell me that that's not powerful, that doesn't work, right? I think if it's good enough for Steve, it's probably good enough for the rest of us. I think so many of us don't even give it an honest try some of these practices. We just dismiss it before we ever even gave it a shot. And at best, maybe we do it for one day. Oh, well, that didn't change my whole life. So oh, I'm just going to give up on that. It's like, guys, these are practices. These are things that need to be done overall. And it's it's such a weird world that we live in. I always find it so crazy that we can experience so much pain here physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and yet there can be such beauty and joy. And then there's people who learn to kind of master the mind and take even the darkest of things and turn it into something absolutely um, absolutely amazing. So I haven't figured out exactly why some are able to do that yet and why others can never get there. I think it is a lot around practices. But um, again, I, I hope that you get to that book one day and then we, we'd love to have you back on because I, I would read that in a heartbeat, my friend. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say this, that I'm not, if you met me and you, and you were around me uh, enough, you would you would realize that I'm not a... I'm not a woo-woo guy, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. for me to sit here and say practice gratitude every day is it's kind of funny because if if you would have said that to me before all of this happened in my life, I would have laughed at you. 
um, because that's just not something that I would have even considered doing. You know, I mean, not that I wasn't thankful for everything, but it, to practice it to me would have been like, you know, go home, right? Yeah. <laughs> go stare at a candle and hum or do something like that, which I tried. Trust me, when I was going through this, I tried everything. And uh, it works. I can't explain how or why it works. It just does. Steve, we're kind of uh, running up just a little bit. We got the last several minutes in the show here, and I want to make sure one people know where they can find you. And just so there's context, guys, Steve had been in business for himself for a while, uh, did a lot of stuff. I mean, owned uh, gyms and stuff, and then has re-entered that world of FDN over the last um, year or two. I think if that's correct, right? Yeah, literally in the last year. So I sold my gym uh, about a year, a little over a year ago, and was kind of just sitting around going, gosh, what am I going to do with my life? What do I want to do? What am I passionate about? And uh, I got back into FDN and I, I went through the level two and just really, really am passionate and, and uh, obsessed with learning as much as I possibly can to help other people. And so now it's, that's my mission is I'm back in with FDN hundred percent and, and helping people and running labs and, and developing programs to help them, you know, not only feel better, but also to, um, you know, live their best lives. That's the name of the game, right? Sure. What's the point? If you, if you feel great, you're not living a great life. It doesn't really matter. So it's, it's really helping them focus on, you know, how can we make them better? How can we give them more energy? Uh, and restore their health to optimal levels so that they can feel great and live live a, a great, happy life and impact other people around them in a in a positive way. Awesome, man. Well, for, and for those that don't know the uh, context of, or the background of that, level one FDN, that's what we do here all the time. I mean, that's a solid foundation for anyone. If you're starting pursuing these higher things in FDN, that, that's pretty advanced stuff. Um, and it gets very technical and there's a lot extra to offer there to someone for maybe that's highly complicated with their health issues. So, I mean, you got someone here, obviously with an incredible story, highly credentialed, and I don't think it matters that you're just quote unquote getting back into it, right? Like you're more qualified than a lot of the people we have on. So Steve, where can people find you if they want to work with you? Uh, the best way to reach me is to email me or text me either one of those ways. My email address is S B so as Steve Baum, SB Fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, at M-A-C.com. Or you can also text me at uh, 314-265-3503. Either of those work. Awesome. I just jotted those down to put it in the show notes. I think you're the first person that came on and offered a text. And that's a direct number, by the way, because that's the number I was texting uh, Steve off of. So you guys got his number. I mean, that's pretty cool to come on here and offer that. Um, and just to be really clear, because I don't know if you define this or have a specific niche, um, obviously you gave us a general overview for the audience. Is there a specific type of person that you look for? Like what is the ideal client that could walk through your door where you're like, dang, I know I can help this person at the highest level. Yeah. My, my niche is working with business professionals and entrepreneurs who are running their businesses and they're just running themselves into the ground. They're stressed out. Their energy's in the tank and they just think, well, I got to keep working harder and harder and harder. Um, those are the folks I really love to help because they're so driven to be successful in business that I can parlay that energy into being successful at being healthy. Makes it's sense just, to me. Yeah. I'm actually glad that you said that because I don't think that niche was actually inferred 
from the things that I got. So that's who Steve can best serve. That doesn't mean any FDN can't serve a variety of people, but obviously that's your number one. So I always like to ask that. All right. So Steve, I want to finish up with our signature question on the Health Detective Podcast. And it's a simple one that has actually a lot of complexities, right? Because especially someone that has as much knowledge as you, um, sometimes it can be hard to answer this question. But the question is, if I gave Steve a magic wand and you could get everyone in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that was literally do one thing or maybe stop doing one thing, what is the one thing you'd get everyone to do? Sleep eight hours a night. Solid. Like solid, restful, sleep eight hours a night. Number one. I have a level of respect for people like Steve that's kind of hard to really put into words. And I mean that because it's people like him that saved my life and brought me out of my depths when I needed it the most. If you haven't ever heard this episode on the show, I'm someone who... My mental health got pretty bad. It was unresolved. It's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this work. No one could tell me really what was wrong. No one could treat the mental health issues properly. And as a kid, I turned to substances. And those substances mixed with the untreated mental health issues led to pretty serious consequences. I did not graduate high school. I was arrested at one point, and I did spend my 18th birthday on house arrest. And one of the first things I got exposed to after this very serious time in my life was motivational content, both through books and motivational speakers. And I would hear these people like Steve, who had been through the most insane, unfair, unjustified adversities, and they somehow got to the point in their life where they could go live at least as a normal as normal as possible life, where they're helping others. And it's not a comparison game. It's never about that. And I love how Steve, with all the stuff that he's been through, says in this uh, episode, you know, that it's, he made it very clear that it's not a competition. He made it very clear that everyone could kind of experience the same level of pain, even though a situation might be different. But let's call it what it is. I think there are certain things that are just worse in life. What Steve talked about today is not the same as losing your pet hamster, right? Let's just be straight about, uh, straight up about it. When I heard about the things that people like Steve went through, I I compared it to my life and I knew I had been through some serious stuff, but I just started saying, I I changed the narrative in my mind, the narrative that had been there for years. I'm like, wow, if they can do this, maybe I can figure this stuff out. And it's funny because I'm a huge science nerd. I'm someone who loves all this technical stuff. I like math or whatever. And people always ask, like, why did you choose the motivational speaker out? I'm like, I had to choose it because these people saved my life. And so, Steve, man, I just, again, I thank you so much for coming on and sharing this story with people because this is one of those things that sticks with individuals for a long time. I can think of the stories that I heard back at 18 years old when I needed it the most. And so I know this is a health show, but a lot of us end up in health complications because of trauma in our life. That's a very, very common thing. It's super common in the autoimmune disease space. Very common, almost par for the course in the cancer space. And so for individuals to get to hear something like this and know that you were already doing the health thing beforehand. You are already doing it. This happens and you figure this out and you pull back out and you use it to help others. 
because that's the only thing that could possibly make sense of this. That's a that's a one in a million type of individual. So I'm blessed to know you, man. So great to have you on. And if you guys liked what this guy was sharing, I really hope that you uh, leave a great review for him. Unfortunately, we don't have an Instagram for Steve at this time. You know, he's kind of rolling old school like that. But you guys got his email. Let me pull it up here again, just so I'm making sure that I shout it out directly for you guys. It is sbfitness at mac.com. That's sbfitness at mac.com. I'm actually, I, you know, I talked to him privately about this, but I'll tell you guys as well. This is someone that even though I don't really deal with any health complications at this point overall, I feel like I want to work with this guy. I just want the mindset of being able to take something like this and turn it into good. I think that's amazing. I want to be around people like that. And so if you guys want to be around someone like that, you guys know where to find him, sbfitness at mac.com. Steve, thank you one more time, my friend. We, again, appreciate you coming on. And if you guys like the information that we are sharing on this show and you'd be so kind as to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button.